Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome back to another episode of the Comedy Bureau Field Report. The Comedy Bureau Field Report is a member of the Believe podcast family. That's spelled B-L-E-A-V. Um, that's why on your favorite podcast platform, Believe in the Comedy Bureau Field Report instead of the name I intended, the Comedy Bureau Field Report. Think of us at sometimes, and uh, I feel like I'm so locked into saying that it's just like I just like a preset <laughs> I'm pushing when I read it, and um, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't know how I feel about that. I would love to come up with some other banter to bring in the podcast, but that is good enough for now. Uh, and enough of that. Mishigashin on to this week's great guest, hailing in from New York, uh, a person who pulls the strings on several independent comedy shows in and around the five boroughs. Uh, please give it up for Olivia Liv Olive Emerling. <laughs> Thank you for having me on. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, how is it on this blistering hot and I'm assuming smelly New York day? You know, I I have a show later tonight. Uh, and play, playlist comedy. Playlist. Uh, I made you a playlist. I made you a playlist with yep. Kelly Bachman. Mm-hmm. And um, I am hoping that their AC is working right now. It's been on and off, but dear mm-hmm. fucking God, I hope it is. Yeah, it is brutal out here, but you know what? That just means people are going out to drink. So yeah, more the merrier. <laughs> is it a loud AC? Is there? Is this? What's the? AC? It's actually not. It's not. Thank mm-hmm. God. It's it's silent, and it works right. if it works. Right. But uh, but we'll we'll, we'll see what happens later tonight. But yeah. uh, it should be a great show. Have you had to deal with a lot of fan AC noise doing shows in New York in the summer? You know, thank God, like it, it really depends on the room. Um, I have another another show that I have at this barbecue joint called Fetisau in Williamsburg. Uh, we actually switched to outdoors again. We used to do it outdoors because of COVID. We went indoors for the winter. And it's not that they have these two giant fans that are just way too loud. And right. we would rather take the street noise than that, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it can be distracting, but if you're doing well, it's not. Yeah, and <laughs> the street noise is different stuff to riff off of. The fan is the same thing. Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. but I do hate it when, you know, a honking horn ruins a fucking punchline. Then right. I'm like, come on, right. buddy. I'm doing comedy here. Mm-hmm. Come on. Oh, but, uh, but yeah, overall, it's been, it's been manageable, definitely. Great. Well, okay, so... You let, let's run down what you preside over. Uh, drool at Fetisau on Thursdays, right? Yes, and that is with Brittany Cardwell and Claire Alexander, who started the show originally, and then they brought me on later on as a producer, right? And then do they okay? So I'm uh, surprise, surprise, guys, I'm not in New York, I'm in LA, but mm-hmm. uh, they they have like a guest host every week, do they? Uh, they do sets. Yeah, so we, um, the show itself is a fully women-run show, and it's a women-heavy lineup. So we let one guy host, and we let one guy do a spot, and then the rest are all women. And yes, Brittany and Claire do uh, a set every show. Great. Yeah. Great. And I bet it, I bet it's lovely. It's, it's, it's awesome. It's awesome. The crowd is awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. 
Claire Alexander is a marketing whiz and, you know, designed, made this whole logo for us and like really, really is good on the branding with that, which is awesome. Right. And, uh, and yeah, it's a, I would say, you know, pretty, pretty coveted spot, you know, mm -hmm. it's, um, yeah, it's, it's been around, you know, we've been around over a year now. Right. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's just a ton of fun, but you know, mm -hmm. we, uh, we wanted to, we want a space for us girls. Sure. <laughs> and I will say, you know, I'd be curious to hear what you, your take is on it, but in my experience, female heavy spaces in comedy just tend to be better. Oh yeah. Uh, with audience and performers, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. It's a very, it's a very open, very safe space. You know, it's very supportive. Right. And, you know, I was thinking this the other day, you know, like the amount of times I've heard women aren't funny has pretty much only been from other women. It's like our mantra now. It's like, <laughs> oh, you it's, wear it ironic. You're taking ownership oh, yeah. of it. Yeah. Okay. Oh, absolutely. Totally. Yeah. 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 Totally. But cool. no, it is, it's a very supportive environment. And, you know, the, it's just more relaxed, I think. Yeah. Oh, what the world of comedy would be if Chris Hitchens hadn't run that. Uh, written that stupid stupid <laughs> that, like you know in reading it a couple times I'm like is this like him doing a bit it feels you know, almost like borderline he is exactly it, at this point it almost feels ironic yeah absolutely because the and arguments he he makes are so it, it, like inane and baseless right and it's like okay are we trolling for the sake of trolling because you know, I call mean, it what could, it is. <laughs> well, because he is kind of a troll. Right, 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 yeah. right. Yeah. But, um, uh, so you have drool on Thursdays. You have seance on Mondays. Seance uh, on Mondays at Easy Lover uh, with Pat Bursher and Bridget Guerin, two mm -hmm. amazing comics as well. It was also, again, their show before they brought me on as a producer. Right. The show that I started was with Kelly Bachman. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's I made you a playlist at Three Diamond Door every Tuesday. Does and Kelly still make a playlist? Kelly makes a playlist. Okay. Because I remember the posts used to have a themed playlist and I haven't seen that. I know. Now we're now we're kind of going rogue. Okay. Now it's kind of Kelly's mood of the week, which right. I love. Sometimes I'll do one, you know, sometimes I'll I'll throw my own in. Right. Um, but you know, I wanted to, you know, if I'm working with comics, I, you know, it's not my show, it's our show. And sure. You know, I, I wanted to feel like, I want everyone to feel like, you know, right. you know, I'm, I'm in the back. <laughs> Is the playlist, I'm assuming the playlist gets played throughout the show? Throughout the show. And, you know, and we, you know, we'll bring up comics, mm -hmm. you know, with certain songs based on, you know, who they are and, you know, right. our friendship with them and everything. So that's kind of fun. But, uh -huh. but yeah, after the show, you know, we have a little dance party, you know, there was oh, a yeah. disco ball, a chandelier, you know, we're drinking, we're having a good time. And there's been right. a lot of nights where it's turned into quite a party. That's, that's what you love to see. That's, that's, that's the goal. That's sometimes the goal. you see dance party on like a comedy event, like description. It's like wishful thinking, maybe. Oh yeah. And sometimes it is. Sometimes it totally can be. Right. But I have had some of the best nights this year at Three Diamond Door after playlist, you know. But I don't know. And just talking to you, Olivia, I feel like you love to dance, don't you? I love it. Who doesn't? Come on. The world's you know, ending. Fucking dance. Fucking dance. <laughs> well, I think, that, you know, I think there are people that have this projected narrative in their head that A, they're not a good dancer and that B, 
they have to be good to dance on a dance floor and see if they dance on a dance floor and they look stupid that someone is going to come up to them and say you suck at dancing have you met a white girl are you kidding me right now (laughs) that's our bread and butter baby that is our bread and butter we Uh do not care no 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 (laughs) absolutely not not here yeah well that's that's good to hear well you know last time i was in new york my friend Nina Tarr, who's now like a New York transplant. Yes, like, yes, yes. I, I don't know how much she DJs, but that's one of her gigs. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. yeah. I remember being so surprised when I learned that. Yeah. I only know her from comedy. Well, that was how I met Nina initially is like she just DJed and we're friends with comedians. And then I took her to one of her first open mics. No way. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, she's she's really great. She's she's a savvy broad, I would say. She is. But I went to one of her nights and I was just like upset. It was on the Lower East Side. I'm like, why is nobody dancing? This is, this is so lame. You know, and it's one of those things. It's like mob mentality. You know, one person starts, then a couple people more. You know, you just got to oh, get that, that first that guy. couple in there. You know that love, guy? <laughs> oh, yeah. I don't give a shit if I'm dancing on the dance floor alone for half an hour. I oh, came yeah. here to dance. Honey. I don't know I about think- what you... Yeah. Four Jamesons, I'm in. I'm going. Four, I don't even need. <laughs> often is asked of me, what are you on? And I'm like, water. Are you sober? I'm not sober. sober. I just don't. I hate being drunk or even buzzed. Anything I drink is for the taste. Wow, you unicorn. What the fuck? Yeah, I know. What the fuck? Yeah, people oh, think fuck. I'm sober though, but I'm not. Yeah, no, no, that's, that's, that's. That's what we all should be. That's what we all should be doing. But yeah, here I am. Yeah. Yeah. So So you're in all these shows. How did that happen? How did you become like a go-to staple as like, I want Olivia to come in and make my show pop. And like, you know, I, I want all those producer aspects handled. So I'm going to preface this by saying I work with my comics, nothing is without them you know this is very it's very much a group effort i'm not going to take like full credit for anything like it is so much a team effort however i started in the scene pretty much i think like as organically as you can i started going to this show in 2019 called ambush comedy which has been around for years two boots uh yes two boots yes Mm -hmm. two boots and that was with Brittany Cardwell, who's my co-producer for Drool, uh, Lucas Connolly, uh, David Piccolomini at the time, but now um, Josh Johnson has taken yeah. over, which, you know, he decided he wanted a residency there and it has just been like the best thing ever. I love Josh so much. Um, so I started going and I had such a good time. You know, I, I hung out with the comics after at a different bar. It's such a good time. And I just, I kept going back every week until I was kind of like the regular. And I was like, oh, I'm just going to go see my friends. And through that, you know, I kept meeting more comics. I kept going to more shows. I was a regular kind of just around the scene Mm -hmm. and, you know, you know, dodging, are are you a comic? Like, you know, I was, I just love comedy. I just was having a great time. And, you know, eventually Brittany and Claire came up to me and they were like, Hey, do you want to like, produce with us and I was like yeah I've never done it before but sure Uh of course right you know and uh and then I started telling other comics that I'm producing now and then you know within the year I had three shows wow yeah absolutely and it's you know I I I spend all my time at comedy shows even you know after work 
you know, my, my other job, my day job, you know, even after that, I'll go out to a different show every night. You know, I, I am out there every night, every single night. Kindred spirits. We are. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, people, I think want to work with me because I'm not a comic. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. They do. Yeah. Yeah. You're not going to ask for stage time. Exactly. No stage time. I'm not going to spot trade either. Yeah. You know, I, like I don't, and you know, I think a lot of comics have, ish, you know, they don't like that aspect of producing where, you know, they have friends who want them to book them, but they don't really want to say no or whatever. Like I'll do yeah. that. I'll, I'll say no to them. I don't, you know, I don't know anyone, anything on that front. Right. And, um, and yeah, you know, and then I, I can, I want to make their lives easier. I want to make the show run smoothly. Right. And, you know, if that means, you know, setting up the chairs and seating people and making sure they're not scared to sit in the front row because they're going to get bullied, you know, or, or, how you do know. you do, how do you pull that off? Cause people, some people have such a deeply held conviction that that's true. Oh yeah. And you know, I, I do my best. I'm a talker. I can, you know, I can make them feel comfortable and at home because that's what I want, uh, you know, ultimately is to give people the experience that I had. Absolutely. You know, and make them feel like you are just hanging out and this is a cool space. And, you know, these are not like untouchable people, you know, like it's, we're all, we're all experiencing this together. Right. And, you know, the more you engage and interact, like you're, they're not going to bite, you know, it's okay. And it can be a fun experience and it's not, you know, you're not just going to get roasted just for sitting in the front. I've seen it happen. Sometimes it does, but Hey, you know, you're going to a comedy show. you got to be a good sport. Right. Right. Well, also, I mean, it depends on who you book. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> that is very true. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like that's some more, <laughs> I don't know, is it, would it be fair to say that there's just like, a very healthy streak of that in New York where the there's just like New York comics that are like, no, I mean, that's like how you do comedy. Oh yeah, they don't give a fuck. Yeah, yeah. They do not give a fuck and it's fine. They don't really have to. They have three other spots after this show. Like they sure. don't, you know, they're, they're, they're whipping through the city, you know? And it's, you know, and it, even if it's something that'll make them laugh, they'll do it. Sure. And I find that funny, right. you know? Right. But, you know, from the tourist from France who like barely understands what's going on, maybe not, right. but you know, that's okay. And that's, it, it's a part of the experience. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. A tour, that's specific. Did you have a tourist from France at a recent show where it was weird? I did. I did. <laughs> I did. <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Well, actually, yeah, they're French and, uh, and German. So Feta Sao, uh, on my Thursday show, Drool, that's, uh, Feta Sao is actually German. So they get a lot of German people coming into the restaurant. Right. Um, and- But Sal's Brazilian though, isn't it? The word Sal? Oh yeah, you know, yeah. But I, 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 I have no, it's definitely, definitely not, it's, you know, it's barbecue. It's like, oh, yeah. you know, it's supposed to be German barbecue, but you know, who the fuck, I don't know. Right. We didn't even know how to pronounce it for like the first six months. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's definitely more of a struggle when there's a language barrier, I think. And they're just not quite sure what is happening that, but yeah. I'm sitting there, but I'm dying. I'm laughing, you know, I'm, right. I'm having a great time, but you know, I'll always go up to people after, you know, if they, if they got like picked on or whatever, I'll be like, Hey, you know, thanks for being a good sport. I hope you had a good time, you know, whatever, you know, right. I talk to as many people as I can after my shows and make sure that they wow. had a good time. Yeah, absolutely. I say, thank you for coming. You know, like I introduce myself, mm-hmm. you know, I, I make them feel like, you know, we were happy that you came. We wanted you here and I hope you had a good time. I hope you come back. 
I think that's so, so important. Um, as you had no producing experience before Claire and Brittany came to you, what did you, what, what did you like conjure up in your mind of like, okay, they want me to produce a show. What do I need to do? Like, like, what did, what did you figure out? I, it was, you know, it was definitely, there was a learning curve for sure. You know, I, I think there was enough people in the scene who either didn't know who I was mm-hmm. or thought I was a comic. Right. So it was kind of confusing, I think, right. at some points in the beginning. Uh-huh. But I think now it's a lot easier. I think now, uh, you know, I have made a little bit more of a name for myself. And right. all of this, I mean, it was inherently unintentional, you know. Sure. I was just like, I'm winging this. Let's do it. I'm having so right. much fun. Let's go, you know. Right. And, you know, it was very much at first, like, whatever you need from me, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, anything from booking the photographers to dealing with the money after the show and paying comics if we right. made any money um, or, you know, setting up the chairs and the seating or, you know, uh, posting on the Instagrams, any of that, you know, it was kind of all like all at once, but I took it like one responsibility at a time, I think. And then, you know, depending on the show, we kind of, you know, decide who's doing what, you know? So like for drool now, you know, we have switched off. We used to book all at once, but now Brittany books one week, Claire books one week, I book one week, and then we kind of like switch off, you know? Interesting. To make things a little bit easier, but you know, I'll do the photographer stuff, you know, Brittany will do the month, you know, so, but it depends on the show, you know, Uh and, uh, and what our schedules are like and what we can all, but, uh, but yeah, it was definitely a little bit of a learning curve, but I don't think anyone expected me to, you know, be a hot shot right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Um, Right. But, you know, I, I do a lot of, I don't know, I like to think of it as, as like I was saying, that stuff that you can't quite quantify as much, you know, like talking to people after the shows. Now I have a bunch of regulars just because I hang out with them after and I make friends yeah. with them and they come back because they want to see me and they want to see the show and they want to support. And that's stuff that I think is really important. That you can't quite, you know, I can't write that down on a spreadsheet, but like right. that is something that I provide. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's important. And I mean, a crucial element of someone producing a show is that you take off pressure for the people putting it on. Right. So they can exactly. focus on making the show great exactly. or of returning. Regulars. Right. Right. Even if it's just, you know, timing everyone and, you know, doing the boomerangs and whatever, like all of that, like, mm-hmm. you know, that, that day of on the ground shit. Right. Um, yeah, which to me doesn't, it doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like, you know, it's, yeah, it's right. just, I'd be doing that anyway. You know what I mean? Right. Not timing, I, but, you know. I feel like there are so many comedy shows that would love to clone you and just have. I swear. And I, you know, I have to turn down people now. Right. Of course. I, just, I can't, I can't do everything right now. And, you know, yeah. until my sugar baby career kicks off. You know, I, oh, is this uh, your day job? <laughs> not yet, but you know. <laughs> uh huh. Um, you know, anyone listening out there? Um, what do you guys uh, seeking arrangements page or something? <laughs> exactly. But you know, um, you know, if I had the time and you know the energy, I would I would do as many shows as I could. But right. you know, now it's gotten to the point where you know I have three on my plate right now, mm-hmm. and those are weekly. That's and... week one weekly is a lot. <laughs> but 
but you know, it's not like I'm doing it alone. Like I said, you know, I have the, you know, support of all the comics that I'm working with. It is totally a group effort as well, Mm -hmm. but you know, I want to make their lives easier however I can, but uh, you know, I, I definitely tend to put a lot on my plate and then I'll just figure it out. Yeah. But, uh, but eventually, yeah, I want to have, you know, a, a, a ring of shows, you know, okay. a whole, I want to take over. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So, okay. Okay. The, like dreaming in the future, you want to have a, a stable of shows. A stable. What no. would you, do you have an idea of what your lit title would be or like what, like what, is there an aim even higher than that that you would like to achieve? I've, I've been, you know, messing around with certain ideas. You know, I've gotten offers to manage, which I would love to do. There's a comic already who I'm beginning to work with and I love her and she's amazing. And I, you know, I think once I have, more of a grasp on even what that looks like because I've never done that either mm-hmm. you know but what I do is I'm on the ground I'm at shows all of the time I'm talking to people all the time I'm at the hang all the time right. and that's really how I've how I've gotten where I am right now you know right. is being personable and being like oh you're doing that show oh I have a friend who'd be really good for that or you know you know, I've, I've booked a lot of great comics because, you know, someone came up to me and was like, Hey, you should have this person on your show. And, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I'm really good at the social aspect of it. Sure. So, um, you know, I was, I was really drunk the other night and I was on my phone and I was like writing all these notes and I was like, Oh, like, what if I just started my own, like my own production company where like I had a venue for people to like do their shows and film their specials. And then I had a podcast studio and, you know, and a small team of managers and whatever. And like, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm still playing around with all the different ways I can, you know, but, you know, I could also just be a booker and a manager at a club, you know, and go from there, you know, it's all, it's very up in the air right now, but it's very exciting. But dream, dream big. Yeah, exactly. Dream big. Exactly. I, mean, I mean, that's where, like, for me, people ask me that question a lot. And I just tell them like, I would love the Bureau to be global and then I get paid to watch comedy. Boom, it's a, that's it, the goal, baby. <laughs> yeah, and it's essentially kind of what I do. I just do it in two cities, that's it. Right. Oh, yeah, right. yeah. but you. like, you know, there's comedy all, like in Chicago, of course, but you know, all the scenes that happen in Austin, San Francisco, Denver, Nashville, Atlanta are worthy of coverage. Right. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Even um even little old Vermont, their comedy club there. I haven't checked it out yet. I moved before it was like a really big thing, but I want to go right. back. And I feel like any other city I go to, I can just right walk in and be like, hey, let's do this, you know. I I wonder, I always think that because of proximity, that any any clubs that aren't in New York, they have to like operate with an inferiority complex to New York, right? I would assume so. I mean like, you know, I, I just know that every, you know, every host who's introducing a New York comic from out of town is going to be like, and from New York City, you have, you know, right. Um, but, you know, yeah, I think, yeah, New York is, is the, the big leagues, you know, mm-hmm. and even, you know, compared to LA, you know, we all shit talk LA, of course, which is Sorry. so funny, because we never shit talk you guys. <laughs> We just, just love mad. every. You guys we have nicer it. weather. 
we look we have space out here we got dry heat you right, know right, well, right. We, don't, we don't have to be mad at that but I don't know don't I, I find that that there is generally kind of, it's a different vein of comedy and it's you know I I find New York comedy like if you really want to like you know cut your teeth you have to come here mm-hmm. you know I think there's a certain path that traditionally would lead to like, you want to cut your teeth as like becoming a better standup. That's certainly a thing you could do in New York. And there's like a very clear cut, like A, B, C, D, this is how Mm -hmm. you do it. Mm -hmm. LA, you can, it's just weirder. And right. you, you well, really got for- where you go to the, you guys just absorb everyone who's done so well here. They're like, all right, well, next step, move to LA and like be in a movie and, you know, you know, get a show or something like that. You know, I think that's what we resent too. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, I'm not in control of that. I yeah, didn't, well, I'm not, I'm not trying to steal New Yorkers. <laughs> you know, it's you know, funny that you bring that up. Like Dave, Ross, who we mentioned, Dave has done so much in LA and effectively, like, you know, he would probably debate this, but like he started in LA and effectively Mm. in my mind. Mm -hmm. Uh, And like, you know, he's done a lot with his time here, but he wanted to change. And I I feel like he agrees with us both because he's going to New York for a change, but also because there's like, I mean, I'm not gonna argue with you. There's more shows. Absolutely. Totally. I would say too many shows. Almost I mean, too. Oh my God. That's half the reason I have so much anxiety. About, you know, <laughs> really? No. I'm like, there are already just a million and they're more popping up every single day, every single day. And right. I'm just like, are we overdoing it in this city? I mean, you know, it, it is, it's a lot. It can be very overwhelming. All three shows you have are in Brooklyn. Yes. Yes. They are in Brooklyn. Drool used to have a show at the stand. Right. Uh, we had a weekly show there, but two weeklies is just a lot yeah. for just for one show in general. Right. right. Um, so we went down to a monthly and, you know, now we're we're focusing just more on our on our Brooklyn show as well. Right. Um, but, you know, but we so we did we did have a show at the stand. And right now I'm looking at, you know, venues for uh, for a new show in Manhattan as well. Mm-hmm. Um because you know it's a, it's a it's a different neighborhood it's a different crowd you know that's kind of what i love also about watching new york comics specifically that you know watching them tailor their sets to different neighborhoods you know right. what's going to work in harlem is not going to work in lower east side is not going to work in bushwick is not you know like it, i mean we we do that here it's just the neighborhoods yeah. are more separate they're like right. ex- expansively i mean that's it's it's almost a a great irony to me that like when the allures of new york city is how close everything is, how walkable mm-hmm. everything is. There's the train. And if you wanted to bike, it's all, everything's so accessible to you. And mm-hmm. yet, even with that, people are so about their neighborhood and sticking there. I'm like, if I lived in New York, I would. you would never see me in any one neighborhood all the time. You say that, you fucking say that. I swear to God, it is I, so, oh my God. It's just, it's really Manhattan and Brooklyn. Like Manhattan yeah. never wants to go to Brooklyn. Brooklyn never wants to go to Manhattan, even though- fucking 20 minute train ride it's it's nothing you it's know? absolutely it's, ridiculous like whenever i'm in anywhere in manhattan i mentioned like gowanus because like i'm talking about union hall and they're like huh what's that oh yeah oh yeah. i mean I, i'm i'm guilty of it even like even in brooklyn if you're in one part of brooklyn going to another part of brooklyn 
that's a that's an hour and it's like oh my god it's a schlep i mean i will say okay so i'm somebody who bikes around los angeles Mm. and like i will bike from you know i live in pretty much the middle of the city uh, and i'll bike to downtown or santa monica i don't care yeah like so i i just love the whole city being my neighborhood right i value my life so i don't bike in new york sure um because i want (laughs) to I, I want to, I want to see tomorrow and uh-huh. I do not trust these motherfuckers at all. At Interesting. All. They say that very much more about LA because there's way more cars here. Yeah. But I don't know the, the, the aggression here it's, and it's tighter, you know, it's just, mm-hmm. it's just a lot. And I would just rather, uh, I'd rather mm-hmm. pass on that, you know? Right. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. I feel the, the <laughs> anger of every motorist wanting to mow me down. Oh yeah. And my, yeah. you know, my Uber expenses every year are astronomical, but Hey, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I feel like I, that should be a thing, especially cause it's like you, your Uber expenses are probably targeted at like after midnight. Right. Oh yeah. I don't go yeah. out during the day. <laughs> oh yeah. You're a, yeah. You're a nocturnal creature. You I'm nocturnal. 100%. Yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, there's a reason for that. The train doesn't feel like safe, and uh, oh yeah, absolutely. and it's and and it's inefficient after midnight, not on the weekend. Yeah, it really it can it can be just as it's it's nightmarish. It's very nightmarish. And there's, after just witnessing my first subway night fight, I'm like, okay, you know, maybe I'll mm-hmm. maybe I'll just take the the car and right. call it a night. You know, and, then, and and sometimes, especially if you're in Brooklyn, it's not even that fast. No. Oh my God. No, Jesus Christ. I could write a novel just with the amount of time that I've waited for the L and the G. I can't, I it's mm-hmm. nightmarish sometimes, but yeah. you know, that's what New Yorkers do. We just live in hell and we're like, haha, we're here. That's why I, <laughs> I, I often joke that they should change Stockholm syndrome to Manhattan syndrome. Yes. <laughs> oh, is it? I pay four thousand dollars in rent and I live in a shoebox and it's great. Yeah, yeah, and and that's the thing though is that it is, and that's what's shitty about it. It's like it is great. It fucking is, you know. How would you? Is would you categorize or break up Brooklyn comedy by a neighborhood in a certain way? Yeah, there's there's very much kind of a dead zone in a lot of Brooklyn, to my knowledge. Mm-hmm. Um, Where's really, that? a lot of the comedy is because you know there there are neighborhoods that are a lot more mm-hmm. you know residential and family oriented and just really rich people who you yeah. know mm-hmm. don't need to go to a free show or whatever. But mm-hmm. but um but yeah, no, I would say the comedy scene in Brooklyn is very much more like. North Brooklyn, you know, Greenpoint, Williamsburg, definitely Bushwick as well. Bushwick is huge. Oh, yeah. Um, and, you know, maybe a little bit of Bed-Stuy, but once you get to like, yeah, Gowanus and yeah, Park Slope, I guess, kind of. But, uh-huh. you know, once you get over to Flatbush, you know, it's it's not it's just really hard. to Again, it's, it's hard to get to for a lot of people. Hard. Oh, to get yeah. To. That's why I've only known of one. I think it's not even monthly. It's whenever he feels like doing it. One Red Hook show. 
Oh, is it the Airstream show? Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah. I've seen that. I have a yeah. friend who lives in Red Hook who actually used to live in an Airstream. Right. And it is, it's, it's a trek. It's a fucking, I mean, Red Hook because, is the most inaccessible neighborhood ever. Right. And I think they like that, which is why it's kind of nice. Oh yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. But that's the thing. Red Hook is like this weird, like abandoned town. It's mm-hmm. like, it's so strange. It feels like a, like an old beach town or something. I don't know. It's weird, man. But there, it's, there's it's not, not a lot of people there. There's not a lot of people there. Also, like, I, I when I was in New York, people were like, go to Pioneer Works, go to Pioneer Works. I'm like, okay, because I was one of my mm-hmm. museums. Mm-hmm. And I, like, trek my ass out to Red Hook, like, you know, walking through all these, like, industrial parts of Red Hook. And then it's like, <laughs> and then I get there and I'm like, okay, this is cool. And they only had two ex- exhibits on display. Mm-hmm. They were great. Don't get me wrong. They were great. Uh But I, it was like, (laughs) it was like three hours out of my day. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's, it's a different, it's a different little neighborhood out there. And then they're right next to like these really, really wealthy neighborhoods, Cobble Hill, you know, those are like, you know, young Brooklyn families and trust fund kids and, you know, But it's, yeah, it's definitely a different scene out there, you know, and that's not to say that Williamsburg isn't just like that, but Williamsburg has just a different demographic, you know? Absolutely. And well, it seems like there's like a desk, like Williamsburg in parts, like is, it's like a destination to hang. Oh, totally. Totally. I mean, it's like full on gentrified now. Right. Which makes it interesting, you know, so industry city why is there not a there i think was a show for a minute there but there's not they're really trying to make it do a thing where oh people should come to industry city you know and that's the thing it's like it's 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 you never know like what's gonna work and what won't and like you know i've i've been there's this new venue that just opened up in you know kind of like park slope area mm-hmm. um or i can't think of the name but um but it's either a totally demographic a totally different demographic or it's going to be really hard to get people in and it's like if there isn't already an established scene there it's right. really fucking difficult to start one. Oh, it's, yeah. it's very like you know like most of the i don't know the places in williamsburg you know there's a uh, brooklyn comedy club old man hustle which is sure. where i'll go if i don't have anything to do on a saturday or sunday night i'll just go there and hang see who i know there i'll just walk in and just hang you know right but that's on like a very popular strip of, of Williamsburg. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, it's, it's hard to get something going from scratch. Right. Which is why, so in the outer fringes of the boroughs, like I feel like QED, nothing else happens in Astoria, maybe like one or two shows. Yeah, not really. And I haven't even like, I, I haven't even been to QED. I'm not gonna, I, <laughs> not even been. I don't feel the, the need to go. I, right. I know I'm gonna know everyone there and I'm gonna see them when they get back from Queens. Right, right. So <laughs> I, I just yeah. don't, I don't have the urge, not, no hate to QED. I'm, they're a great place. Yeah. No hate to them. I just don't, I, I don't need to make that trek. And, right. um, you know, but yeah, but uh, yeah, Queens can be very much kind of a dead zone. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel, uh, like, I feel like the Bronx probably, right? The Bronx, yeah. I I don't think I've been to the Bronx since I went to the Bronx on a school field trip. Like I, I don't. For the gardens? Yeah. 
you know, like, um, yeah, the Bronx is, it's, is a whole other beast, you know, but, um, but there's a lot going on in like upper Manhattan, you know, that's definitely, you know, a, a, a huge hub. There's a lot going on up there and they're I know, great. I know stand up New York is in upper Manhattan, right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, you know, yeah, even further up, there's a lot of great rooms in Harlem mm -hmm. and, you know, and also Harlem is really becoming a lot more of a populated area in terms of like, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's more to do there right. than there was. You know, and it's becoming more gentrified. More gentrified. Yep, exactly. I mean, I yeah, I, I will say this is even before I got into comedy. I visited New No, it wasn't before I got into comedy. I think it was my first three or four years I visited New York. I went to Rucker Park. I wanted to watch a game. And you know what the halftime show was? What? Okay. It was this spoken word poet talking about um, oh. <laughs> violence. Like that's where they were getting to. They're like, well, guys, we got to get it together. We got to no stop. Way. Yeah, because the day before, so somebody brandished a gun on the court, and and you know that was Ooh. no shots were fired. Let's get a poet in here. Yeah, Fucking I also songs. <laughs> I also found it so funny. I wish this was some kind of show. So like at Rucker Park, because it's all about street ball. Um, if the announcers get bored, they'll stop calling the game and then they'll just be like, remember that like Jadakiss video I was in? And they'll like <laughs> pull it. Podcast. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And they'll, they have like a jumbotron and they'll like pull it up while the game is happening. <laughs> like if you look here, guys, I was like right behind him. It, oh, see, right there. And like, I love that though. And that's so yeah. New York. Like if you can't keep my attention, I'm going to move on. I'm, I'm talking about something else. I was like, come on, pick it up. <laughs> and it's, this is like basketball mecca. And they're like, nah, you know, you guys aren't, this isn't fun. So we'll do something else. Yeah. <laughs> but look what I did, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, do you have any, do you have it? I mean, you know, this might be a broad question. It's not my, it is. You know, what are your feelings on comedy in the city or Manhattan or the fact that it's even called the city? I feel like that's sometimes weird. I mean, I, I think there is like, I don't think that there needs to be as much of a distinction in the way that people think there is. Cause like, you know, like so many of like the comics that you're going to see at the comedy cellar at fat black at, you know, stand up New York or at the stand or at New York comedy club, you know, mm -hmm. all of these comics, you're also going to see at a bar show in Brooklyn too, or very many, like a lot of them, you know, yeah. they're because there is just this fucking constant transfer and you, right. you know, they're busy. They, they're booked all night. They are running around the city. Yeah. So it's not like, it's a different group of people. It's, mm -hmm. it's just more of a scene. It's more like, mm -hmm. you know, you're talking about people who, you know, are going to make this their whole night. This is their date night. You know, that right. you're, you're doing that in Manhattan, you know, for the most part, you know, you're going to a comedy club you're making it your night mm -hmm. and it is more, you know, I guess official in some ways or whatever, but mm -hmm. you know, I know if I go to any of those clubs, I'm, I'm going to see the same people that I hang out with, you know, right. on a Friday night after a show Right. Um, I don't think that it is as cut and dry as that, right. but especially Brooklyn and Manhattan just have this continuous pipeline back and forth. And it, mm -hmm. it doesn't feel as like, yeah. you know, as, as separated as you'd think. Yeah, I agree with that. Cause I feel like Mateo Lane plays both 
both sides, Usama, mm-hmm. Siddiqui, Emma right. Wilman, right. Jay Jordan, Zach yep. Zimmerman. Usama yeah. was just on my show last week. Mm-hmm. I, you know, Jay, again, yes, absolutely. I love Jay Jordan. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, and there, and there also, that's not to say there aren't amazing venues, you know, Union Hall and Bell House are huge right. in Brooklyn. Yeah. And they, you know, I like those venues a lot too, because especially Bell House is, I've noticed a lot more like queer centered uh, yeah. comics there and shows right. there, which I really appreciate. Right. And I feel like kind of sometimes exists on the outskirts in a lot of ways. Right. But they have a space there. And right. that's also just more Brooklyn too. Right. Like, you know, mm-hmm. there are a lot of like, you know, stiff Manhattan fuckers that, you know, came to see a regular good old show, but like right. aren't down for like you know some like a non-binary comic telling them what they don't want to hear you know it's like there there is more of a freedom I think in Brooklyn than in Manhattan I think you have to work in in a little bit of stricter parameters and you're dealing with a lot more tourists in Manhattan and you're dealing with Mm -hmm. you know just different different types of audiences that I don't think you know are exist in Brooklyn as much except for the Lower East Side right because that's where caveat and club coming are. And right. Those are very right, right, right. Of course. Club. Of course, of course, of course. And the Lower East Side has just completely been taken over now. You know, it's. Oh, it's yeah. How so? How would you much, describe it? I mean, it's just like, like, not even in terms of comedy, just like, you know, it's like a lot of like, you know, NYU kids. And like, I mean, this, I'm just like basing this off of like, honestly, just stereotypes and demographics that we just tend to make fun of in general, you know, people who, who won't go above 14th street, you know, that Mm -hmm. type of person, you know, that type of girl who's gonna not anyone, you know, gonna go to Ray's bar just so they can try to fuck cousin Greg because they know he works there, you know, or whatever. You know, that type of thing, uh-huh. you know. Also, there is a great show at Ray's Bar. My friends, Flora and Yemi, did a show Yemi, there. Yemi was the first, one of the first people I did comedy with. Really? Yeah, oh. like over a decade ago. We I did this it. insane oh. show called Joke Lab, where it was themed, A, and B, you had to come up with something new every week. And they really discouraged you from doing stand-up. So people had to do insane characters and bits and it was like and me and Yemi were like interns at that show and it was it was a wild time yeah people do that here and then they just do their old material so yeah, yeah, no, no they were very de- well they booked weirdos for the show that's how they oh really were. oh okay cool okay yeah. all right all right so, I like so that. people I like who are down for like doing puppets or like having a phone call with god or you know whatever it is and I love that. Like that, I, you know, I, I, I think, you know, even if you're, even if you didn't come to a show thinking that you're going to see that, like, I think mm-hmm. it's important that you do. And like this alt comedy, right? it can be so great and it can be so fun and it can be, you know, I've seen some weird, weird, weird shit. Like I've sure. seen some weird shit. Yeah. You've been stage. to Life World re- recently? Um, oh God, I'm trying to think. I remember this one this one Amba show I went to, it was before I was producing with this guy, fuck, I wish I remembered his name, but he just kind of undressed and started brushing his teeth on stage. And I love, like, I'm a, I love cringe, right? I love sure. being uncomfortable. I love watching other people be uncomfortable. Right. I love it. Right. So I, it was m- m- just as enjoyable to watch him as it was to watch the audience 
figure it out like what the fuck is happening right now or even like you know not to compare anyone but like someone like um do you know andrew castretano uh i know the name and people have told me a lot of great stuff about andrew they told me that he like it's almost like as a bit trying to be bad but he's not oh my god he's he's so brilliant he's such a goober he's such a fucking goober man like he i remember the first time i saw him and i remember someone else coming out to me and was like i love watching audiences figure him out because you because he's just so his his act is so not what you would expect but if you love it you like he's he's so he's so good at what he does right um and you know i think there's just a lot more room for that for that type of exploration right you know but at the same time like you know open your mind expand your horizons like have a good time we're all here to have a good time like that's the point you know yeah it is interesting to me that there's like still a healthy contingency i don't think it's even an la new york thing people just going to watch comedy like without knowing what they're going to watch or mm-hmm. having some set of expectations mm-hmm. as if they're just going to any building that says comedy and they're like I like comedy <laughs> and they're just right. going to go watch whatever they're but I love that I think that's that's that, like that, it's great if you know who's going and you like you follow them and that's awesome but like it's so fun to not know what you're walking into like right. to have that open mind to have that whatever happens happen like you're going to walk out on, you're, you're going to be fine. You know, like it's okay. Like, and, and I, I, I so much would rather that mentality, you know, than like, I'm going to see this comic and no, you know, that's fine if you do that, but to have that like open-mindedness and just like whatever happens, happens, you're probably going to have a better time. Right. If I may, you would probably get a lot of that out uh, here in LA because there's a lot of weird stuff that happens here oh absolutely no I I you know there are comics who you know I have met in New York but I know who are primarily in LA who I would love to come see all the time Sammy Obeyed yeah uh Luke Monez you know like Mm -hmm. there there are so many so many awesome awesome comics who you know just can afford to live there too (laughs) are just there yeah being by coastal is the dream but it's it's very very expensive Mm -hmm. Uh, you want to do some comedy news before we dive Let's further? Do some comedy news. All right, great. First on the docket, um, I think it, it, this just broke a few hours ago. This this recording. Monique announces uh, a new Netflix hour special um, with Lee Daniels attached, uh, acclaimed award-winning director Lee Daniels. Um, And for those who don't remember, Monique and Netflix were in a spat um, over racial discrimination. She felt she was not justly paid uh, for Netflix, uh, like doing stand-up on Netflix as compared to uh, Dave Chappelle or maybe like Bill Burr mm-hmm. and uh, considering that she has like an Oscar status around her uh, that she felt like she was worth more. Um, that never, that that um, dispute was settled privately and the details are not revealed, but apparently um, there's no more ill will as uh, she's going to put out a new hour special mm-hmm. on Netflix. Uh, I mean, you know, they almost lost a, um, um, 
I mean, they lost several hundred million subscribers very recently. And I mean, oh yeah. Do you think I I mean it's a one piece of good news for them? Is this I don't know if it's gonna be the sole thing that helps them out, but right. And I mean, yeah. I think you know that's what's so shitty is you know so, so much of the narrative around Netflix right now is that you know they'll just produce anything. They'll just right. fucking do anything right now. You can pitch them anything and whatever. Mm-hmm. And you know, after all of these other streaming services took their shows back, basically, um, you know, I think they're definitely left a big hole for Netflix, but also at the same time, like, you know, cause I, I read that article and it was, they offered her, they offered Monique 500,000 when they offered Amy Schumer 11 million and yep. Chappelle 20 million. Yeah. Are you kidding me? Like are in this day and age, are you fucking serious? And right. it's like, also just discuss your salaries, discuss your salaries. <laughs> like everyone right, right. discuss your fucking salaries. Cause that talk, is talk wild. about money. Yeah. That is fucking wild that they would even, you know, and, and you, clearly you have all of this money to spend on really shitty shows and movies. Oh, yeah. You're not going to pay someone what they're fucking worth. That's just abhorrent to me. Right. And I, the audacity of like, you don't think they're going to find out? Right. This is someone who's been in the industry for how many years? Like, th- th- you don't think she knows people? You don't think her people know people? Like, what mm. What, do you, what? did you think that you were trying to pull? And that's so insulting. Right. And even aside from the morality, mm-hmm. like, the PR nightmare now that you guys yeah. might be faced with oh, for yeah. offering, mm-hmm. you know, such a low ball to an incredibly successful Black woman? Are you fucking kidding me? Yes. You know, just like, so... It, you know you have all this money and you're putting it into the wrong things mm-hmm. and it's just a slap in the face but I'm glad that she went through with that right and I'm glad that she got hurt well hopefully you know yeah but what what are we doing here what are we doing here like at some point Netflix in the in when they took on original productions and their streaming service from being like a dvd delivery service Mm -hmm. i think somebody they got it in their head that they wanted to replace the word television like they they became dedicated with like rather than the idea of people watching television they're just watching netflix Mm, okay okay because they exist like the the attraction of netflix if you're like making something is it gets to exist in 140 territories instantaneously no other like platform can offer that and you know they have all these deep pockets and every year you would read in the trades that they would increase their debt ceiling so they can spend more money so they can produce original content for there was region specific and so i mean that's why there's a series that people are talking about now that um, is like basically succession, but it's set in South Africa and it's like in the fashion industry. Mm-hmm. Like would American audiences would have ever seen that without Netflix? Probably not. Right. And and well, was Netflix originally like like an Amazon kind of thing? I think it was where it's like they didn't make money for a long time or they were mm-hmm. not like quite as lucrative as they are now just based on their original business model well yeah i think there was a very low ceiling for dvd delivery well yeah of course obviously yeah yeah but yeah no i mean i think you know i get it i get it like you know trying to make their like you know i'm gonna put on a band-aid not an adhesive strip you know i'm gonna use a kleenex not a tissue i'm gonna watch netflix not tv you know like i understand that that's what they're going for right 
but I don't know in the age of like streaming services now mm-hmm. that's going to be a tougher sell and especially yeah. when your content is going so downhill mm-hmm. you know and I just read this article that they are now um it's called the gray man I think yeah, I know they, they spent $200 million on a Russo Brothers movie. The Russo 200 Brothers million and 40 million on just one sequence, on one fight chase scene. Right. And, and the common thread in most reviews are, uh, as of late, are it's the most bland movie of 2022. <laughs> but you know what I wonder, Olivia? I came reading that and I was like, wait, is that going to make it the, one of the most watched movies on Netflix? Because they're like, well, how bland is it? Like, people will just check it out. Well, right, right. Or is it going to be like, you know, one of those bird box things where it's like, we've seen so many memes about it. And it's like, you know, there was so much hype and so much like content before, you know, like I remember seeing so much about bird box before I even saw it, but I was like, well, now I have to see it to understand all of these memes and these references and whatever, right. you know, is it going to be like one of those kind of things? Where it's like, it's not good, but mm-hmm. we're all experiencing it together or we're like, we can all shit on it together or. Yeah, you know. which is, that's also not ideal or great. or No, ideal. no, yeah. like that's so shitty. You should not, that should not be, you know, why people log on to Netflix. That should not no. be why no. we're all still subscribing, you yeah. know? I know on the industry side, they have to f- more figure out, but now we're like, I feel like on the consumer side of streaming, it, we're getting close to being saddled with the same sort of issue that we had with like cable and direct TV of like, well, I just want the channels I want to watch. Right. And I right. just want to pay for one thing and mm-hmm. then that's it. Mm-hmm. So just give me the bundle. I think that's the word they use now. Yeah. But yeah. now it's like, you know, Hulu, Paramount Plus, Peacock, whatever, like all, all HBO, everything. And it's mm-hmm. like, what a, you have to pick and choose what or you know or well i'll just share one fucking netflix account you know like yeah yeah it's it's becoming more you know more tedious to like watch what you want to watch and you know oh i couldn't watch ted lasso because i didn't have apple apple tv or whatever right or to segue to our next story you couldn't watch showtime because you didn't have showtime anytime right and you couldn't watch Jesus Romero or Z-Way. Right, right. Oh, and Z-Way. I miss those Instagram live days, man. Mm-hmm. That shit was gold. That was absolutely I think, gold. I think it should be more recognized that- Oh, absolutely. Is the uh, only IG live series that got recapped like it was a TV show. Right, right. And a lot of people are saying that she got snubbed uh, for the Emmys. Yeah, well, people need to recognize that all of those academies, the TV Academy, the Film Academy, the Recording Academy, all of them are, a, a, pardon my French, full of old fucks. What? No. <laughs> no yeah. way. Yeah. yeah the yeah, Academy? Yeah. No. <laughs> yes. Something called the Academy is full of like old people who are just, it's not even that they necessarily don't get it. They know that things have changed, but they're so fucking stubborn that they're like, you know what? Things are different and I don't want to do anything about it. Yeah. But like, look at who's making you money. Look at like, look at your analytics for a fucking second. Look at what people are actually watching. What right. people actually like. Right. Well, I, in addition to that, the people who watch Blue Bloods and all that CSI that, you know, the old people, like they're not going to live forever, man. 
Oh no. And listen, you know, if you're still hooked on those like cable things, you know, those that's that's to me like what blue bloods is very like cable-esque just like just another another crime show you know another whatever another Meghan Markle type show you know where if you're into that you're going to be into that no matter what right you know and that's fine that's not my cup of tea but do you yeah do you you. yeah (laughs) absolutely um next uh well okay so the next news story here is we're already talking about showtime Jesus Amaro, which was sort of like a um becoming the face of showtime comedy along with z-way uh they were represented showtime's entry into the late night world uh and they were a very exciting like fresh shakeup of that because they were these two guys um from the bronx who did not wear suits did not use a desk did not have a house band did not do desk pieces um and just they even did their own warm-up which i love (laughs) we're just gonna hang out like we hang out at the bodega and that's our warm-up we're not gonna have somebody yell at you about rules and try to make you laugh doing their act Mm -hmm. um they have uh, creatively parted ways as a partnership. They are uh, separately now, Jesus Nice and the Kid Mero. Uh, and as a result of that, the Showtime series has come to a close. Originally started out on Vice, uh, as I guess you could fairly say it was adapted from the podcast, The Bodega Boys, which has also ceased in production. Um, there isn't a lot of clarity as to the details, but there did seem to be sort of a creative differences as to why they have parted ways. But it's very unfortunate to hear that Jesus uh, and Mero is over. And I can only hope that their idea of uh, pursuing solo projects will become true and true very soon. It still seemed pretty amicable though. It did, know? it did. It seemed extremely amicable. Like, and, and that's kind of like the best you can ask for, you know? Mm-hmm. You started on Viceland and then you got, you know, you, you grew. And you got into Showtime, you know, four seasons is not something to scoff at. That's, that's big. And I think both of them obviously are intelligent, capable, and, you know, really creative people. Right. And, you know, you want to, you want to go out. Right. And, you know, you want to go out in a nice way. You want to, you want to, you don't want to overdo it. You don't want to, you know, bore your audience and, you know, Mm -hmm. say, oh, you know, they didn't need the last two seasons or whatever. Right. I think going out like this is probably the way to go, right. you know, no drama, you know, but they are definitely itching to explore other creative, opp- creative opportunities and they should have the, the space to do that, you know? Yeah. I mean, because all this is under ownership of Paramount now, I would say what could be a very easy lateral move for Paramount is have either one of them when James Corden steps off next year, the year after, either one, have one of them do the Late Late Show if you still want to do it. Well, yeah, or open it up to a, a new face, you know, some new talent, you know, right. some some someone with a different idea, you know, mm-hmm. like let's expand it here, you know, you you dip do your you toe any, in. Do you have any names in mind, Olivia? Mm-hmm. Who I would mean, you want to see on Late Night? 
honestly, like, I know we already talked about him, but I want to see Dylan Adler do anything and everything. Absolutely. Dylan Adler should just have a variety hour. And like, if there's guests, there could be guests, but we don't need Truly. it. Truly. And, and, you know, and, and Dylan Adler with, with Kelly Bachman as well, my co-producer, you know, they have right. this, like this awesome, they have this great show. It's called Rape Victims Are Horny Too. Yes. And it's fucking brilliant. And the two of them together are just so great. Mm-hmm. And they, they are very yin and yang, you know? Yeah. And they they complement each other very well. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know I think, if Kelly could be more lower energy if she tried. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, like that, but that's her. That's yeah, it's that great. Her, and it's so it's like it's it's so perfect. And I I love her comedy so much. I think mm-hmm. she's so good at what she does. And I think absolutely, you know, she strikes this balance. And I I watch it every week. You know, she yeah. she can really easily strike that balance of seriousness and lightness. Right. And it is very hard to do. Very hard to do when you're talking about those topics when you're talking about really triggering, you know, um, issues. And when done correctly and Mm -hmm. when done right, I mean, I'm, I'm not, who's to say what's right. You know, I'm not God here, but you know, it's, it can be so much, so, so, so powerful. Sure. But I would also just kind of like to see some queerness Mm -hmm. in mainstream late night. Yeah. I think that we're all ready for it. We're adults. We can handle it. Like let's fucking go, you know? And that's where I really think Dylan would shine. I still stand by when, John Stewart stepped off of The Daily Show. It should have gone to Cameron Esposito. You know, poor Trevor. He's, <laughs> I, I, I love this man. I think he's so great. I think he's so brilliant. Uh-huh. I think he's so well-spoken, so intelligent. Mm-hmm. I, it, it's, it's not, it's just not the right medium for him. I, I feel think. like Trevor's more of a journalist than John is. Like he, he, he'd almost fit in at a new show. Oh, totally. No. And that's what I love. I love watching his interviews. Like he's, yeah. he's so informed on who he's speaking with and he's right. so eloquent right. when he's not like constricted by late show writing who yeah. no hate to them. Josh Johnson, Ashton Womack, they're right. amazing daily show writers. They're right. the best. Um, but when he can like, and even like those clips of like, uh, like in between segments where he's just talking to the audience. Like, I love that. Like he's, that to me feels so much better and so much more real than, you know, making him do some impression. Right. You know, I mean, he's, he's, mm-hmm. I don't know. It's yeah, just I mean, not you, where he shines. I, it always struck to me, you know, he had a very sort of, um, I think career defining interview with Tommy Loren. And there, and it was very good. It was oh very good, God, right? I never thought about that. <laughs> but there's not a single yeah. ounce of comedy in that interview. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And that was, I, oh man, I totally forgot about that. But that was wild. And I think he's, because he's so likable and he's not, he's not trying to be like a Jordan Klepper follow-up question, gotcha kind of thing. Like, yeah, yeah. He's really much more trying to find not common ground, but like 
he he's more willing to bridge that gap right than i think a lot of people are and i think he's really good at that because he's really disarming in a way i think oh yeah you know but to that point i feel like cameron has such an inherent warmth to her uh them that i just like want to see them like what what do you have to say on the matter huh yeah exactly you know i think i think trevor is so great and so brilliant and so talented in so many ways and i you know i I love his stand-up but like he needs to have more of him in in the content than i think he's allowed and when i really like him is when he's it's not scripted right you know it just it feels cheap with him yeah i wouldn't be surprised in like five years if like if somehow he found his way to doing interviews on 60 minutes i'm like yeah yeah that makes sense totally totally he would so thrive in that environment yeah and he can bring you know some levity two two things but mm-hmm. he's still like an intellectual you know yeah, yeah. like that's kind of like how I, like, like when colbert really gets into an interview like not not like a late show but like you know mm-hmm. he colbert is so fucking smart yeah oh it and, comes out at times when he's talking to politicians and something's happened right yeah. right you know none of that softball shit yeah you know like i don't want you to feel forced to keep it light because you're on a comedy show Mm-hmm. like you know do do you do what you do best you know yeah. like dig but mm-hmm. you know still bring your personality into it you know absolutely absolutely yeah um anyone else you would like to see on late night i mean i feel like the world's gonna open up for that and 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 what the late night genre will be that's the thing i think i would rather see the genre expanded than any one particular person okay so how would you expand it like having it again like like having a bit more of kind of like a casual aspect to it where it it doesn't really feel like an interview as much as like we're just hanging out and talking and it doesn't really you know I think sometimes you're you know and you're obviously you're really constrained especially by big networks you right. know you can't even fucking curse than like on some you know right I mean I, I think, think pause aims for that Sam J yeah. aims, aims for that but I oh, feel like totally yeah I feel like late night should go into a direction where it's insomniac, but hosted by somebody who isn't Dave Patel. Right. I, I was actually just watching um, uh, Sam J last night. Mm-hmm. And of course that brings us to Jack White, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, which of course, you know, I didn't know him personally, mm-hmm. but I know a lot of people who did. Oh yeah. You know, completely devastating. I had a friend who told me last night or two nights ago, you know, he found out right as he was about to go up and host a show, like mm-hmm. someone told him and then he got introduced on and then he had to go on stage like while processing all of this. And I just cannot even fucking imagine that. Yeah. But I, truly devastating. I was at a show and I saw somebody who was going to go first and she found out and she's like, she just broke down in tears. She's like, I got, I have to leave. And she's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I knew Jack from when he like first came to LA and he did every shitty open mic. And I mean, he was so people, everybody knew him here. 
And, and like, uh, I don't know, it just, it's that extra sting mm-hmm. of when you lose a comic, uh, you know, that has like when you just contrast all the joy that they have brought. Right. right. And yeah. I even struggle with this too, because sometimes there's, we have this language about spe- specifically young comedians um, passing away, where like we, we say they have so much, they had so much left to do or the things right. they could have done, which I feel like erases some agency out of this situation. Obviously they were in pain and they wanted it to be over. Uh, I don't know the specifics of it, but like, mm-hmm. and, you know, I, who am I to say about it being wrong or right? Certainly I didn't want that to happen. Of course. Yeah, but I just, uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> at the same time, like, yeah, you could have done so much more had you just, had I, not only you, but like the things that were surrounding you been in the right circumstances for you to not end up where you did. Right, and especially someone who had so much going for them up until today, you know, up until a couple of days ago, you know, like. Uh, Jack passed away officially on uh, Friday um july 15th i wouldn't know yeah no i think it's the. that sounds right and um the la county coroner uh confirmed today that he uh took his own life um Mm -hmm. which is like it keeps happening um in comedy and creative endeavors and it's uh i feel like and i'd love to hear your thoughts on this that I feel like so many comedians talk about mental health and and they don't stop talking about it and they could, should keep talking about it. And yet it's not enough. No, it's not. And, you know, I mean, it's, it, it, it goes so deep and it's so, you know, unfathomable, especially like I'm sure for other comics as well, who are like, you know, who, who look at these people, you know, even someone like, you know, Robin Williams, like mm-hmm. you had everything. You were universally adored. You, I- you know, had accomplished so much and still had so much more to accomplish and could have so easily. Right. And yet that's still, that's, that's not filling the hole, you know, that's not, it's, it's not filling the void. It's not, you know, there has to be so much else at play there. And, you know, even with so many people that, you know, who are in your corner, who will back you up, who are there to talk, who, you know, Mm -hmm. even when you have all of those resources Mm -hmm. and it still isn't enough, you know, then what? And it's, it's, it's devastating. Yeah, it's absolutely devastating. And I feel like there, there is some sort of logical disconnect where I, from the outside looking in, you, you, you think, you say, you observe, oh, they have everything. Well, obviously they don't. Right, right. You know? And yeah, what we perceive as everything, you yeah. know, the success or the recognition or the validation, you know. Right. There's still something missing that none of that stuff is fulfilling or, I mean, this is conjecture on my part for Jack, but I know that he had so much on his plate. Mm -hmm. I can only imagine that that was an unprecedented amount of pressure in his life. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. No, again, I, I did not know him personally at all. I just, I know a lot of people who did and who are, you know, grieving right now. 
And, mm-hmm. you know, I, yeah, I was, I was looking forward to so much of what he was going to put out. And I, I just can't imagine that type of loss, you know, and you're right. It, you know, the, especially when they're young and it just like, it makes even less sense, I guess. And yeah. it's just like, you know, that, that finality is just so like, you can't wrap your head around it. Right. And it's, you know, it's just another source of pain for all of us, you know, that, that loss and another reminder to <laughs> check in on everyone in your life, even the people who are doing really well. And, you know, even, even the people who, who are the happiest in the room, you know, I know we all know this, but mm-hmm. it, it, it bears being said, you know, being right. repeated. Yeah. And it bears being repeated because I don't know, maybe we don't all know it or it's not at the front of our mind. And sometimes it's just those, it's those little windows of time where they're like, they're, they don't have their the meds they need or they they're just they feel alone for you know an app like this week or two they don't have the access to their support system right you know? right 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 exactly and I, you know i'm sure we might you know find out you know maybe more to come but it, it it can be that sudden and that quick and that you know that i didn't have what i needed at that time right that short amount of time whatever it was right you know but it's so much more shocking when it's someone who we all perceive to be doing so well. And, mm-hmm. you know, like I just watched one of his, um, uh, just a clip of, of his standup and he was just talking about how much confidence he has and like mm-hmm. how, you know, he moved to California and had ever done standup before and just went in and just started doing it. And, and, you know, how he has this big dick energy and how, you know, like he has a, a great bit about it and to just contrast that with everything that's happened in the last week, it's like, fuck, like what, what, what then? Like, how, how do we, you know, and I know it, it, it can, you can just write anything for a joke, but I, I felt that there was some truth to that, you know? Right. And it's like, yeah, it's, it's just wild. It's like, especially those people that are the life of the party and you think are, you know, just destined for so much greatness. And then mm-hmm. the next day they're not there. It's wild. Yeah. I mean, it's it's just a t- test. You don't really know what's going on. I mean, like you know, that was like when Nathaniel came out. Like mm. I I've known Gerard for a long time, in from various distances. But I, I mean, there always seemed to be something like there's. I I don't have the whole story, and Gerard isn't telling it. And then when Nathaniel came out, I'm like, oh, that's why. That's it. Right. Yeah. Right. And, and to have that, that weight that you're carrying around with you, you know, for, and I think especially in black men, Mm -hmm. that has to be that much more difficult that you have that many more layers to, you know, hide and to, you know, mold yourself into that, you know, you're not allowed to be 
scared or afraid or gay or sad or whatever, you know, like that there still is, I think so much pressure to just get up there and be funny. Yeah. And that's it. And you should be good, you know, handle it yourself, man up, whatever. Like Mm -hmm. all of those schools of thought are so damaging and so restrictive, Mm -hmm. you know, but, you know, yeah, especially, you know, that Rathaniel special was so, God, it was like gutting. It was like just and and just so well done in that way you know like where it really kind of felt like a stream of consciousness right well because there you know in thinking about it gerard he didn't prepare it too much and he couldn't for like how ephemeral he wanted to feel also the sort of objective reality of like if he did it too much his family would find out before right totally totally he had such a small window Mm -hmm. to like get that and but what I thought was so beautiful about that special is how organic it felt, right? you know, and how unscripted it felt because it was, mm-hmm. and that you can't, right. you can't write that. You just can't. No, absolutely not. Um, I hope Jack, Jack is not in pain anymore, wherever he is. Yep. And, you know, of course, love and, mm-hmm condolences to his family and friends who are grieving this loss you know there is a part of me if there is an afterlife i imagine that he's headlining he's headlining (laughs) but like he's also like for anyone that's like really sad at his passing he will probably want to rib them a little bit exactly of course (laughs) yeah (laughs) just yeah yeah it is um what was that no, it's just, there's, you know, there's just no easy way to right. even address it, you know? Right. But you mentioned you saw Sam, Sam, did Sam Jay talk about it? No, I was just watching uh, the season two of Pod. Oh, okay, yeah. That he was featured on a little bit and it was just yeah. like an extra sting, you know? Yeah, no, uh, I remember before that show was even sort of conceived that like, sort of the conversations that she tries to surround the show with or are like arguments she would have with Jack. Yeah. Oh, totally. I mean, yeah. and there, I, I think that the structure of that show is so brilliant, you know, like that we're all at a party just talking and like, you know, expressing these ideas and these conflicting arguments that I really, really, really admire the way that that show was, structured you know it because because that's what I like I like that feel of like we're just hanging out we're just talking we're just you know whatever right but um but yeah I haven't finished this season yet so I gotta go back and watch the rest yeah that's cool yeah um you're about what like a only a few more minutes before you gotta head out but to I do have to head out soon I gotta go to my show yeah um how do you how are you feeling about your show has it cooled down any any bit or are you just looking forward to being yeah, the in a crowded room down, with people? the sun will go down by the time we start and uh that's also around when people come out um but the show is going to be great tonight we have uh sorry if you hear my roommate's dog barking um we have josh adam myers on the show tonight right 
Uh, we have Jess Fuchs. We have, oh, we have Abby. Um, we have Abby. Let me see. Wait, let me, I'm going to, I'm going to pull up the lineup here. Um, Abby Govindan, Amama Sardar, who right. is a good friend of mine. Adore her. She's so funny. And right. Caitlin Reese as well. Yeah. Caitlin's great. Yeah. It's going to be a great lineup. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm assuming you always have great lineups. I only, I only book great lineups. Of yeah. Course. Of course. I love cracking that joke to some people that were like audience members, especially they're like, oh, this is my first time at this weekly show, like Good Hair On or something like, you know, I would probably say this at any one of these that I've run into, uh, run to you at, but uh, you caught a good one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh, come on. It's yeah. my bread and butter right there. I'm like, oh, you're not going <laughs> to believe this. Right. I feel like you are probably a, a character. You're like a part of the show. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, you I, are logistically yes, but like, you yes. know, the fact that you talk to audience members and it's like the, the way you describe it, it's like you're a cheerleader. Absolutely. Oh, 100%. I am there. As soon as your set's done, you're an amazing set. I'm here with the drink ticket. I am hyping you up the entire time and I'm hyping the audience up too. You know, right. like that's, that, that's what I want my job to be too. You know, yeah. again, I want to give people the experience that I got. Yeah. And, you know, I, I want it to feel like, you know, something that you want to come back to, like, a you know, this is my Tuesday night thing now, you know, right. right. That's how it was for me. And, you know, it changed my life. Yeah. And, you know, it's, um, it's really invaluable, but to, to be able to connect with your audience afterwards right. and to be able to, you know, have, you know, like now a lot of my regulars are my friends. Like I hang out with them outside. Hell of the yeah. Show. It's great. It's as so it rewarding. As it should be. You know, the front row of the Meltdown with Jonah and Kamea, they're like lifelong friends. They were the same people that always sat in the front row. And they're no like, way. and they, after it, that the venue's dead and gone, the show, the Kamea's an A-lister, Jonah's doing other things. That is wild. But they, it's like, you know, they, it's like they were in a dodgeball league together and they stayed friends. Like they're just lifelong friends just from that. I love that. Yeah. And th that's the thing. Like that's, that's how life works. That's how, that's how you meet people, you know, it's just like, and if you don't open yourself up to those experiences, it's not going to happen, right. you know? And right. if at the very least you got to laugh for an hour and yeah. you had a good time, you know, and it's, it's, it's just so for me, it's just such a rewarding experience and I cannot imagine my life without it now. Right. And I don't want to, you know? Yeah. I think another point where we're kindred spirits, but comedy very much feels like a home I never had. And if I can bring that to anybody else who's looking for it, that's all right. I do. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And it's just, that's at the end of the day, what it's about. Mm -hmm. And if I can, you know, just sit in the back and drink my whiskey and make sure the show runs smoothly mm -hmm. and, you know, make it a welcoming and truly organic experience, then I've done my job. Yeah. All right, one last question here. Yes. If you had the amount of control over New York comedy that you would perhaps desire, what would you do with it? <laughs> I would, I would like, you know, I used to float the idea, like I would want my own club and I would want, you know, I would, I would really want like the premier club in Brooklyn. 
like a really like the Brooklyn club, you know yeah. what I mean? I would really want that. But, yeah, you know, at the end of the day, like I want to be able to, you know, spend time with the people that I want to spend time with. You know, I want to be able to, you know, if I see someone who like doesn't really have a platform or who I know is like going to be great one day, I want to be able to give that to them. I want to be able to have a space for comics, you know, who are really promising and who, you know, who I would like to lift up and who I would like to connect to other people. You know, I would love to be that conduit. Um, And in the process, laugh my ass off. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah, really yeah. it it's all about having fun and that's yeah. what i'm doing do you, would you have a name for your club this hypothetical club i mean i might have to go with the martini because my instagram yeah i was gonna say your instagram handle isn't a bad name no fun. no i'll never give it up i got it in high school i'm never giving that shit up ever and, and you looked at that was a good one. Oh yeah oh yeah. yeah so you know it could be olive martini presents you know uh it could be you know the martini it could be something Martina, as long as it's just, yeah, I it just you know, city and a word that means comedy, I just don't want any more of. Or exactly, I don't want that either. <laughs> there is so incredulously so. I think this is like purely SEO driven, but there is a club that opened in LA County, not the actual city. It's in Bellflower. That's called the Stand Up Comedy Club. Listen, that's not going to work here, okay? No, no. We already have Stand Up New York. We already have New York Comedy Club. I'm not going to mesh those all together. And I know I'm like, oh, I'm not going to make it about me, but I will name my club after me. Sure. I got to have my name somewhere, you know? Yeah. (laughs) No, and you got a lot to play with. Olive and Lynn Martini. Wait, so an Olive Martini, do you you like a dirty martini? Is that what I love a dirty martini. Okay. Dirty martini up with all this kettle. I don't drink gin martinis. I drink vodka martinis. Yeah. No, of course you. Yeah. I feel like if you're going to have a gin martini, then you might as well have a Gibson. Yeah. Yeah. And and no, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to become a gin person. I'm just not going to do it. Not yet. I'm too young. (laughs) Oh, is this Natasha H now? I never thought about that. I I will say technically there's a, a, okay, there's a bar in West Hollywood called Bar Lubitsch that's in the Russian part of West Hollywood, which is real. Um, And they have, uh, they've been a longstanding place to have like comedy, weekly comedy shows, um, probably over 15 years now. Um, But they, they do a martini that they make their own house cocktail out of that has like scotch in it. That oh. I really, I really like. Oh, okay. Yeah. Wait, yeah. check that out because yeah. really, I'm, I'm really primarily a whiskey girl. I know it's not. Ooh, okay. you're gonna okay. Bar Lubitsch, you gotta order Rachenko. Rachenko. Yeah, it has a float of like like single malt scotch. My my dad teaches me about single malt, so I oh, uh, do. You, all right, not to. Oh, this is a comedy podcast, guys. But are you into what Highland, Isla, or McCallan family? Oh, you're a McCallan. Oh, you go by brand. I I just like anything that's, <laughs> anything that's Isla single malt. I'm really into. I'm not big on Space Side or Highland. Yep. And my dad always makes me choose between Irish or Scotch, and I I normally will go Irish. Yeah. 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 Uh, and wait, 
I mean, McCallum's is a scotch. What? Yes, McCallum, it is. Yeah. But if I'm at a bar, um, I'm getting Jameson. You're getting Jameson? I'm getting Jameson, hands down, always. Uh, Were you uh, not raised Protestant? No, I wasn't. I don't know if that's even a joke that anyone gives a shit about. Yeah, exactly. I don't even know what any of that means. I was not raised religious at all. Jameson is the Catholic whiskey, and then Bushmills is the Protestant whiskey. Bushmills. No, I like uh, Powers, too. Powers is really good. Powers is all right. Powers is amazing. But but my dad is a, he's a Manhattan Jew, so, you know, Mm -hmm. we're not... We're not too Protestant over here. But. <laughs> I imagine not. Yeah. I imagine yeah. not. Definitely not. But, uh, okay, well, it has been so great to have you on. Uh, is there anything you want to uh, promote? Where can people find you online? So my Instagram is Olive Martini. That is where I post about all of my shows, which are Seance Comedy uh, at 8 p.m. at Easy Lover uh, on Mondays. Tuesdays, I am at Three Diamond Door for I Made You a Playlist at 8.30. Mm-hmm. And Thursdays, I have a show called Drool at Fetisau in Williamsburg at 8.30. All these are every week. And uh, watch out for my new monthly that's going to be coming up at the end of the summer, early fall. <laughs> in I, Manhattan, I, maybe? <laughs> in Manhattan. We're, we're aiming for Manhattan. Okay. <laughs> Cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Um, I'm Jay Kroger. I created the Comedy Bureau. You can find the Comedy Bureau at thecomedybureau.com, at the Comedy Bureau on socials. Uh, you can find me and Instagram at Not the Supermarket and Twitter at MFJ Kroger. So many great causes of support this time. National Network of Abortion Funds. That's a good one. Go do that one. That's really important. Um, but if you have money and generosity left over, please support the Comedy Bureau to keep it running for another almost 12 years. Uh, do you have anything to say as we sign off, Olivia? Thank you so much for having me on. This was a blast. It was, truly. Uh, live comedy, as you heard us talk about for nearly two hours, is very much happening. Go out and support it. And as the great Brody Stevens would say, enjoy it! Yes! <laughs> Bureau Field Report is recorded, produced, and edited by Jake Kroger. Music by Brian Granillo. Artwork by Andrew Delman and KT. And part of the Believe Podcast family. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.